Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Read with me. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And when Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly... But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the gospel And we ask that you would open our hearts and minds today, that your word would be planted in our hearts, and it would renew our minds to your truth, that we would be a people that would glorify you in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we are, that the world might see Jesus and be saved. Father, we thank you for this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we come to the last Sunday of Advent as we approach uh, Christmas. So just kind of a review. In week one, we looked at the coming of Christ. We looked at the promise that was given to us by God in Jesus Christ. In week two, we looked at the kingdom of the Messiah. And in the kingdom of God, we have hope. So remember what the writer of Hebrews says, we don't yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus. It says all things have been put under him, but we don't see all things under him. But who do we see? We see Jesus. So we don't look whether all things appear to be put under him. As long as we see Jesus, we know all things already have been put under him. So the kingdom of the Messiah declares our hope. We looked at the king and his kingdom. The king and his kingdom has come. So we looked last week at John the Baptist proclaiming the coming of the Lord. John who made the crooked paths straight. And Jesus came declaring the kingdom. And the kingdom is our joy. Not just the promise of the kingdom, but the reality of the kingdom. Remember when John was in prison... And he sends his disciples and he says, ask Jesus if he is the one to come or do we look for another? And the response Jesus gave gave to the disciples of John were, go and tell John that the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the poor have the gospel preached to them. These were all things that the prophets prophesied and proclaimed the Messiah would do when he came. And then John said, and also tell John, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Because one of the promises, remember, was that Jesus would open the prisons 
and set the captives free. And here is John in prison, wondering if his Messiah would truly set him free. And we might wonder, knowing that John was beheaded in prison and he was never set free from that physical prison, but we have to ask ourselves, did John understand that he had been set free by his Messiah? And I believe John did understand that. But the more important question is, do we understand whether we have been set free from our Messiah? And it has nothing to do with whether we're incarcerated with physical bars or whether we have limitations in our bodies or, or anywhere or in any way. If Jesus has set us free, we are free indeed And it matters not what our outward circumstances are. It matters mostly what the circumstance, what the condition of our heart is. Now, do we want to be free? Yes, we want to be free. Do we want to be unlimited? Yes, we want to be unlimited in in that sense. But we can never base our freedom simply on outward things. Our freedom has to begin in our hearts with the only one who can truly set us free, and that's Jesus. So we come to this week, and we look at the birth of Jesus, and we celebrate the intervention of God, because this is what God did. God intervened. And that is the title of our message today, The Intervention of God. The definition of an intervention, I won't ask if anyone has ever been a part or a party to an intervention, or if someone has intervened in your life. Um, We can all say that God has intervened in all of our lives. He has. An intervention, according to Webster, is the act of interfering with the outcome or course, especially of a condition or process, as to prevent harm or improve functioning. To intervene is to come between two things, to intercede or to mediate. The intervention of God was the Father sending His only begotten Son to intervene between the sinful and the holy. You understand there is a holy God and there is sinful man and there is something that has come between the sinfulness of man and the holiness of God. Because what was there was a gulf that we could not span, a separation that we could not navigate ourselves. And our sin stood between us and God, but there came the Son of God. God intervened and sent His Son to stand between us and a holy God, in place of our sin, now stands Jesus. And the Father now doesn't see us in our sinfulness. The Father now sees us in the Son. This is the intervention of God. And without the intervention of God, man would have continued in his condition of sin and death without hope. Apart from the intervention of God, the course of sinful man had only one outcome, the eternal wrath of a holy God. All of those who are without Jesus, that is their destiny. Without Jesus, our destiny is the eternal 
wrath of a holy God. In Christ, our destiny is to be glorified even as the Son is glorified. This is why it's important that people know Jesus, that people know salvation. This is why it's important, even more than people knowing Jesus, is that Jesus know people, right? Because in Matthew 7, Jesus says, Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons? Did we not do great miracles in your name? We're so proud of all that we did for you, Lord. And he said, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you lawless ones, for I do not know you. God intervened by sending Jesus, and the intervention of God is witnessed in the birth of the Christ child. Lying in a manger in the most humble of circumstances, Christ is born, and Christ is born to save his people from sin and from death. This is why the angels proclaimed joy to the world. The Savior is born. On the fourth Sunday of Advent, we celebrate the intervention of God in sending Jesus. We remember the birth of Jesus. And as we remember the birth of Jesus, we anticipate the return of Jesus. Remember, Advent has two elements, remembrance and anticipation. We remember the birth, and at the same time, we anticipate the return. The celebration of Christmas is not just celebrating the birth of Jesus, it's celebrating the coming of Jesus, his past coming and his future coming. The intervention of God was foretold by the prophets. The birth of Jesus was foretold by the prophets. The words of the prophets confirm the promise of God to David and to all of God's people of a coming king and a coming Messiah who would reign and rule eternally on this earth. Micah, one of the prophets of the Old Testament, foretold the birth of Christ in the city of Bethlehem. Micah 5 verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Isaiah foretells the miraculous nature of the birth of Jesus to his virgin mother and the reality that he is God with us. This was the scripture we read today when we lit the Advent candles. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. The prophet says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means literally God with us. That means the Messiah is God and will possess the dual nature of God and man. This is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. When the Virgin Mary conceived and bore the Son of God and called his name Jesus. Jesus means Savior or Jehovah is salvation. Emmanuel, God with us, is Jesus the Savior who came to save his people from their sins. He didn't just come to save his people. He will come again. And he will come as king and as judge. 
And he will come to reign on this earth with his saints. And if we are his saints, we will reign with him. We will rule with him. The intervention of God is not according to the plan of man. You ever notice that God does not always work according to our plan? God doesn't work according to our timetable. God doesn't work according to how we think he should. We have our plans. We have our times. We have our schedules. I would say most often God does not work according to those. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, listen closely to what the gospel writer has penned here. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, the words after and before. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child. You understand what that means, right? Here Joseph takes Mary as his betrothed. Now in the Jewish culture, when you were betrothed to a woman, when, when a man and a woman were betrothed to each other, it was just like they were married. The only thing that has not, had not happened yet was that relationship was not consummated. They had not come together physically and become one. But other than that, this was not a casual agreement. I think we'll get married. When they become betrothed, they are for all practical purposes married. That woman is promised to that man. And this is why Joseph, in his mercy, was going to put Mary away secretly because it would have been scandalous for Mary. It would, have, it would have ruined her reputation. So he wanted to be as nice and as gentle as he possibly could, but he was left with this reality for, in his mind based on everything he could see. Here the woman that's betrothed to me has been unfaithful to me because she is pregnant with child. And there's only one way that happens, right? Well, with man, that's, there's only one way it happens but not with God. And this is why the angel said, with, with God, all things are possible. That's what the angel told Mary. Because Mary wanted to know when the angel came to her, uh, how is this going to happen? Now, if you remember in your Bible reading, you remember the story of, Zach, Zach, uh, of, of John the Baptist's um, father, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, when the angel comes to him and says, hey, your barren wife is going to bear a son, bear a child, and it's going to be a son, and you're going to name him John. And he says, well, how's that going to happen? And the angel says, well, because you didn't believe me, I'm going to strike you deaf and dumb. And when the child is born, it's time to name him, then you're going to speak. But that's what happened. Because, you, because John questioned. 
Now, John had, John had a precedent, right? John had Abraham to look back to. John, I mean, Zechariah had Abraham to look back to. Zechariah wasn't as old as Abraham, and Elizabeth wasn't as old as Sarah. And when the angel told Zechariah how this was going to happen, Zechariah should have said, praise the Lord, God's going to give us a baby. But he said, how's that going to happen? Me and my wife are old. But now when Mary asked the angel, the angel doesn't rebuke Mary. The angel tells Mary, well, this is how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come uh, upon you, and God is going to cause that child to be conceived in your womb. And besides that, your cousin Elizabeth is six months pregnant. With God, all things are possible. Because Mary had no reference point. She had a legitimate question. I'm a virgin. How is this going to happen? I'm betrothed to a man. What does this mean? And the angel says, don't fear. And this is what the angel tells Joseph. Isaiah foretells this miraculous birth. Matthew records this, and he notes that it is after the betrothal and before they come together that Mary is found with child. Much surrounding Jesus was not according to man's plan. That's not the way they probably would have planned this. If they could have planned it their way, they might have said, why don't, why don't, why don't we wait until after we're married, and then, then when God does this, everything will be all right. People won't think, you know, things they shouldn't think. But you notice that God also very often doesn't care about what men think. And there are some things that God cares very much about, and there's some things that God doesn't care very much about. And God tells us, in, in, for instance, in the Proverbs, that we should guard our reputation in terms of who we are in relationship to God. If we're representing God, then our, relate, our, our reputation should, should also represent God. And it should glorify God. But when it comes to man and man's opinion that goes contrary to God and what God is doing, God is not concerned about what man thinks about him. We see this in the life of Jesus. We see this right here in this story. We see that much surrounding the life of Jesus was scandalous. In fact, much was contrary and scandalous according to man. His birth was scandalous. His ministry was scandalous. And most of all, the gospel of grace is scandalous. You know that grace is scandalous. The intervention of God is never according to man's wisdom or man's convenience. It is according to God's glory. And when God interrupted the betrothal of Joseph and Mary, it was terribly inconvenient for both of them. But it, 
his intervention was in perfect accordance with his divinely foretold plan. Man received salvation and God received glory. God did it in such a way that man could never take the glory. Joseph could never claim to be the biological father of Jesus. He is the stepfather of Jesus. The father of Jesus is God. And God did this in a way so that man could never take glory for what only he could do. And we cannot be surprised by that. And we should not be upset by that. And this is the fallen... This is the fallenness of man. Man wants glory. Man wants to take God's glory. And God says, you will not have my glory unless I give it to you. And when I give it to you, you have no way of saying, I earned it. I achieved it. I worked for it. It will only be because I freely give it. The angel comes to Mary and informs her that she will conceive a child and give birth. Mary was a virgin, so how would this happen? An impossibility with man, but with God all things are possible. The outward appearance of God's intervention presented problems for Joseph and Mary, as you can imagine. The inter- the intervene- God intervened again through the visit of an angel to Joseph after coming to Mary... And the angel assured Joseph that the child being carried by Mary was a holy child conceived by the Spirit of God. And that Joseph was not to fear but take Mary as his wife. And when God intervenes in our life, we cannot let our consideration of man supersede our consideration of God in obedience to God's word. God commands our obedience no matter how impossible or unpopular our situation appears. The intervention of God commands our obedience. Now think about Joseph and Mary. It's not hard to imagine the controversy and all the sideway glances that Joseph and Mary probably received. It was not Joseph and Mary's place to convince men, but to obey God. The same is true for us today. Our priority must be in submitting to God, not yielding to men. To obey is better than sacrifice. That's what Samuel told Saul after Saul had become impatient and took it upon himself to do what he was not called to do. He sacrificed. And Samuel says, Saul, to obey is better than than sacrifice. The scripture describes Joseph being aroused from sleep and moving to obey God by taking Mary as his wife. That picture of Joseph being aroused and awakened from his sleep is a perfect picture of what needs to happen in our church today, in the church today. Romans 13, 11, Paul writes, and do this knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. It's high time that we awake from our sleep and obey what the Lord has commanded us. Like Joseph, we can obey without fear, for the Lord has intervened on our behalf. In his perfect love, we have no reason to fear. 
perfect love cast out all fear, John writes. To trust the Lord is to obey the Lord. To obey the Lord is to love the Lord. To love the Lord is to know his love for us and to live free from fear. The intervention of God is motivated by the love of God. It is love that motivates God to intervene on our behalf. God didn't have to send his son. God didn't have to create us. God didn't have to create anything. The very act of creation was an act of love. Therefore, we should never wonder why Jesus sent the son. I mean, why God sent the son. Jesus came because of the love of the father. God created because of love. God does everything he does out of love. We exist because of the love of God. We will live eternally because of the love of God, because of what God has done, not what we have done. It's love that motivates God to intervene on our behalf. Jesus, the Savior, was born in Bethlehem to save his people from their sin, the Bible says. But not only his people, he will save all peoples. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, Jew and Gentile alike, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The intervention of God has resulted in no less than the salvation of the world. God so loved the world, he intervened. He sent Christ to come between man's sinfulness and God's holiness to shield us, to protect us, to deliver us from the wrath that we deserve. God so loved the world, he sent Christ to make a way where there was no way. There was no way for man to bridge the gap that sin created between God and man. Man could never achieve right standing before God as long as sin separated the creature from the creator. Man was hopeless left to himself. But God did not leave man to himself. God intervened and sent his son in his love. He sent the son to redeem man from his sin. Love came down at Christmas. He truly did and he truly saved us. The intervention of God commands that we love as God loves. God demonstrated love for us. Love came down at Christmas. We sing that song, and it's true. Jesus is the personification of God's love that came down. And Jesus commands us to love as he loved. It is the love of God that must move us to love as he loves us. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Faith is measured in obedience, and obedience must come from love, or obedience will not be sustained. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans in verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. 
concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience. For obedience to the faith. From him we have received grace for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he begins his letter to the church at Rome. And he reminds them that God has given us grace to obey the faith. He reminds us that we are the beloved of God. We are called to be saints. Which means we are, to, we are called to walk as Jesus walked. We are called to love as Jesus loves. And Paul reminds the believers of the promise of God in Jesus Christ, foretold by the prophets and declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection. Paul called himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Do you know what a bondservant is? A bondservant is one who willingly, out of love, chooses to devote himself exclusively to that master. And the... The tradition was when a, when a man or a woman chose to become a bondservant to a master, that master would take that bondservant and would take an awl and would pierce their ear with an awl that would mark them forever as a bondservant, as not belonging to themselves but belonging to that master. Paul, over and over and over, calls himself the bondservant of Christ. And he uses that term on purpose. It's literally, what that word literally means is slave. The bondservant was the lowest form of slavery. They had the least amount of rights. They had given up everything. And this is what Paul says he is, the bondservant of Christ. Guess what? It's what we are called to be in Jesus. One who willingly, out of love, gives himself completely to his master. It was love that motivated Paul. It is love that must motivate us to separate ourselves to Jesus Christ and to his gospel. When we obediently live out the gospel through our lives... When we prayerfully and purposefully intervene in the lives of others with the gospel, it is an intervention of love, just as it was when God intervened in our own lives. God is still intervening today. God intervenes through us in all sorts of ways as we live out, as we proclaim with our mouths and with our lives the gospel of Christ. When we obediently live out the gospel through our lives, when we prayerfully and purposefully intervene in the lives of others, it is God intervening through us. God intervened. Love came down at Christmas. This is why we celebrate. This is why and this is how we come to this table.
because love really did come down. And love is still here. Christ ascended to heaven, but he left us the Holy Spirit. And Christ didn't leave us. He didn't depart from us. He didn't leave us alone. He promised to never leave us, to never forsake us. And Christ is with us, God with us, because Christ lives in us, and Christ is our hope of glory. And he lives in us by his Spirit. This is how and this is why we come to this table. All right, let's stand. Kids, can you tell me again why we give gifts? We give gifts because he gave them first. Don't forget that this Christmas. God intervened. Through Christ we have received grace for obedience to the faith among all the nations for his name. That's what Paul writes. That means among all those God has placed in and around our lives. You may never go to the nations. But we are called to go to our neighbor, to our friends, to our family. And just as love motivated God to intervene in our lives, it must be love that motivates us to intervene in the lives of others as the Spirit leads us. It was an intervention of love that saved each of us. We must seek to be used by God as agents of intervention that He would use to bring His salvation to those who are lost. Who needs a Savior? Those who are lost. This is what love and obedience demand. This is what the gospel calls us to. This is what our Lord commands us to do, to love Him and to love others as He has loved us. And if we truly love, then we will truly go and we will truly seek to make disciples. The intervention of God was motivated by the love and the glory of God. Our obedience to the Lord, centered in His gospel, must also be motivated by love and by glory. The love of God and the glory of God. We are called to intervene in this world with the gospel of Christ that compels all men to trust Him, to love Him, and to obey Him for His glory. And if we profess to be those who belong to Christ, then we must know this better than anyone, that this is what the gospel compels us to do, to trust him, to love him, and to obey him for his glory. This is what Christmas is about. Give your gifts, eat your feast, celebrate, be merry, but remember It is the intervention of God that gives us the privilege and the reason to celebrate. Amen? Merry Christmas, and may it truly be merry for each and every one of you.